The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as we talk with Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures and Options, on what was a little bit of a mixed day in the grain trade. I think we'll start over here, though, with that one that has caught a bull and not everybody's on the same page of where the bull has come from. That's the Chicago wheat trade. And, Darren, is this just maybe some technical momentum and some algos just trying to see some momentum indicators pushing them to the upside? Yeah, it could be a combination of that. I mean, wheat demand versus last year uh, has been fairly good. Uh, I think there's some Ethiopia demand that's really coming back to play here. Uh, but, you know, you look at look at how much wheat has really sold off here just over the last month here, and you, you basically see some consolidation right around that 50 and that 200-day on that March contract. And really, we just weren't able to really take out those lows from mid-November here and I think that you just found the right day at the right time for buyers to step in here and buy this. And even on the, the, the KC market, uh, you've seen a really good up move there, up 12 cents here, settled at 4.45 and a quarter. Uh, but again, I, I think it comes down to some of this decent demand year over year. Now, if this could transpire in the corn, I think we'd all be better off. And talking about uh, the spreads between things, typically, you know, Chicago and Kansas City have a much narrow spread. We've seen it abnormally high, but now Chicago has outpaced Minneapolis for the first time we've seen since uh, 2007, 2008. And really, even then, it was just for a day or two. Now we're starting to see this uh, spread type start to open up. From a spread trader's perspective, is this something to closely watch? Because could we see the inversion happen quickly? Yeah, that, the the difference between that Chicago and that Minneapolis, I mean, that thing has just really, really started to get, I don't want to say out of hand, but, I mean, you really start to see that really start to really expand. And I, I don't see that, that that's going to really change here. I think that there, that, you know, there is a, definitely an issue uh, in that, that spring wheat country where, you know, the quality, you know, is still kind of going to be a lingering here. Can we get enough? Uh, decent wheat that may supply the market's needs, but it doesn't seem like though it that is brought really the leading indicator of this rally here. It, it's really been the, that that Chicago market has been that KC market. Um, so you know that those I think are trends that are just going to continue. Now what's going to be very interesting, I think, if you look at that Chicago or that KC market, do we start taking out those October highs? If you start doing that, it's very possible that you're going to feel more momentum to the bull side here. And maybe real, you know, try to challenge those summer highs. Now, granted, I don't know how much you're going to get there, but granted, I also think that it's going to have to be followed closely with with the corn market. I think if corn continues to struggle in a way here. Uh, it may keep a cap on what wheat's trying to do. And likewise, if wheat continues to find this strength and this momentum, it might be, it might be enough really to carry this corn market along with it. Then you look at the bean side. Beans are having a really tough time technically here, probably from a headline standpoint as well. But it's, there's different things happening in the different markets here. They're not, not all the grains are going up, uh, like we obviously hope for here. Before we talk about those technicals on the soybeans, let's talk about the fundamental trade uh, and soybean export inspections. Pretty strong. We see that come out today on soybean, 71.4 million bushels, uh, a little over half of that bound for China. Those have got to be some pretty good specs. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that bean sales or, or inspections have been that bad. I mean, it, it, it's good to see that we have some of these outstanding sales on Thursdays and these inspections here on Mondays that this seem to kind of hum away. They're getting a little bit better week by week here. The thing is, it's going to be interesting. Now, you know, these, a lot of these things are, you know, if we look at the export sales, uh, you know, an outstanding sales, all those things can be canceled. I really think it comes down to China you know, potentially just hedging their bet for right now. Um, we typically see this upswing this time of year anyway with these bean sales, but I think they're really hedging their bets. How does that South American weather progress on? And when we get to that January, February time frame, does China step in and do they actually commit to these sales or do they start camps? And I, I think that's what's going to shake up and it's going to be what happens in South America. But I think at this point, to me, if I'm looking at it from a, just a purely supply standpoint, Brazil getting low, I don't think they're going to have the supply online become, you know, maybe some of that very, very early stuff hits start sitting harvest in late January, but you're going to probably get more of that, you know, February, March time frame. So China, do they really cancel this? China really need this. So I, I think that's something that's going to obviously play itself out over time here, but these sales right now are encouraging, and especially at these levels, you kind of think, well, you know, if I'm stepping out here as a producer, why do I want to sell here in lower lows when I got these potentially positive things happening maybe with the supplies here? And who knows? We still have these unknowns with the USDA numbers and the, that January report. So, you know, beans have sold off quite a bit here in, in, in a very short fashion. So it just kind of makes the opportunities all that much more interesting as we look forward here. Let's talk about China and expand on that a little bit more. Some what I would consider big headlines over the weekend that 90% of Hong Kong votes for a Democratic representative versus one that's more closely tied with Beijing and the Communist Party. What does that signal politically for China? Do they need to get a phase one trade deal done? Yeah, I, I think that they do. I, I think the, the U.S. needs that as well here. Um, but, you know, as mentioned previously about Hong Kong, it, it, it's a situation that can be tense at times. It's also a situation that needs to, to resolve itself for the betterment of, of a trade deal in itself. But, you know, should tensions arise again or should something come up that would, would, would spark a little bit more, uh, you know, again, tensions in that area, it, it's, it's only going to put a, the U.S. trade deal and probably beans, probably hogs, and a little bit of a back burner for right now. But you got to look the longer term here. I think these things do situate themselves over time. Again, we're talking with Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures and Options here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Do remember, trading commodities does involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable for all investors. Coming up in our second segment of the Fontenelle Final Bell, we're going to talk about use ratios in this corn market. We've well got that Catalan feed report. How does USDA numbers play into all this? We've got a possible major winter storm across the plains ahead of the latest crop progress report. We'll dive into that a little bit as well. It's all here on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures and Options, joins us to talk the trade. In our last segment, we talked a lot of grains and some of the fundamentals under soybean and the wheat trade, but now one that kind of affects the 2019 growing crop, or, well, it's done growing, but the, the finalizations of harvest. We've got a major winter storm that could be blanketing the plains over the next several days. We don't have the latest crop progress numbers yet, but basically, if it's still in the field for soybeans is this the end of the run especially for our northern plains yeah i mean it, it still puts the 
put a lot of guys behind the eight ball, especially in the northern plains. You get up to Minnesota and North Dakota. I know we've hit on this quite a bit, but man, you get you get that another five, ten inches of snow, and it kind of makes you wonder this time of year how much more can can they take out? I mean, it's going to be December next week, and you kind of make you wonder. Okay, this is probably going to get pushed off till twenty. Uh, so right now, see how much snow we get. But right now, the crop progress, we'll see what the numbers shake up here at 3 o'clock, but it's, it's probably going to be something where we're going to have maybe a billion, billion and a half bushels of corn still in the field. Uh, and that's still a chunk of bushels. That, so does, does, what does the USDA do in their January report? Uh, does guys really go past, you know, out in December and get stuff done? Yes, they will, but, you know, could there be a couple hundred million bushels that, you know, what's the USDA do with? Uh, I know there's been quite a bit of conversation about, you know, USA numbers this year, but, I mean, this is just going to throw another wrench at the whole system and, and, and what, what USDA is really perceiving the bushels out there to be. Let's talk about now the end use of the grains. You know, we get it out of the field. There's plenty of factors that go into that. But we often look to USDA, and USDA's been a hot topic in 2019, to say the least. But I want to go to cattle on feed. We get this report out last Friday. Placements are up 10%. They were expected to be up 12%, but nearly 2.5 million head of cattle went into feed yards. And I know I've talked to feed yard owners with these uh, the, these uh, contracts in February and April with the premium they carry. Guys are holding cattle longer. They're putting more feed into them. Has USDA done anything to change that feed use that they figure on? See, that's a very interesting point is because they're still using previous feed numbers they've used from a couple years ago, but we're still feeding a lot more cattle. So, you know, that's not jiving. Uh, so, you know, I would probably expect, I don't know if we will, you should expect to see some type of revisions in there because obviously we're we're going to be using the more corn than what the USDA says. Um, it just comes, does it come to fruition? And, and that's what it seems like 2019 has been. Uh, we've seen problems, that, but boy, it does seem like they resonate with, with the monthly supply and demand reports. And I, I think maybe at time they will. I mean, I think the key report is that Super Bowl of reports in January. What really does the USDA think out here? And if this crop really isn't there, it, it might be one of these stories where it's going to take some time. It might not be until next summer, you know, until we really know the, the ramifications of what have taken place this year, even though the basis levels are screaming that there's something not right here. Even the quarterly stock numbers don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, even though they they did some revisions to, to, you know, to, to take some of this supply away, but it still is not calculated for a lot of this, the, the basis levels around the country. Now, granted, you know, if you have your cash flows met, yeah, it, it's probably not an opportunity right now to go out and sell bushels. There are probably a lot of producers sitting on the sidelines with the bins locked right now, and I don't blame them. But that still, the basis is going to do that work for the, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I guess we'll just have to see how what the futures do, because right now with the funds being short, roughly probably around 140000 on corn, and you look at how much this thing has sold off, and now being the fund position now shifting down, uh, there are now short beans, so it, it makes you wonder how much more does this does this market have in it 
until we start calculating for all these uncertainties or until there's some positive headlines. And, and, and that right there is a little bit of the frustration for the market. And one, it's it just been the trend is your friend for right now, and we'll, we'll push, basically push off all those other concerns for the time being or until they're verified with the USDA. So that, that just uh, in itself just creates for a very back and forth and slow trade. Looking into 2020, do you see USDA maybe changing some things, recalculating given what's happened in 2019? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, they have put out some projections. Granted, they are just that. They're just projections. But, you know, you look at what the acres mix could be. I think that's something that it will shake itself out over time. But I am certainly not in the camp where we're going to have this 100 million acres of corn. I, I think that's one is too much. But I think that in itself could provide some opportunities for the beans and for the corn here. Grant, we are beat up. We'll have some seasonal tendencies in, in, in the 20 that we'll have to take advantage of. But right now, it, it's just uh, it's just slow go at it. Darren, for folks who want to continue this conversation, because we have just skimmed the very surface of a lot of details you could get into, what's the best way to reach out? They can always reach me directly at 402-366-0423 or find me on Twitter at DDS Alpha or our website at lakefrontfutures.com. Again, that is Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures and Options. Don't forget, trading commodities does involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their support of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network.